about dating, and here's the first question. What parts of a dating relationship should reflect a marriage, if any? Um, Great question. I would say it depends on how close you are to being able to pursue marriage. You know, if you've been dating a while, you're at a place where marriage is an imminent possibility, then you should be having more serious conversations. You should be trying to, you know, do things spiritually together. Um, you know, but if it's casual, I think that's that's part of what the scriptures mean by guarding your heart. You know, if you've only been on a couple of dates, it would be very unwise to, you know, share your sexual history or talk about deep wounds from your family of origin or, you know, things of that nature. So I think a lot of it would be your own spiritual maturity and then the maturity of the relationship. Makes sense. Okay, I know another question, just to piggyback off of this, you even talked about there will come a time when you do share, like, the past sexual sins and struggles. Um, I mean, do you have any uh, clues or ideas just to when that time has finally arrived when we approach that conversation? Yeah, I think based off what Linda said, when, when marriage seems like an imminent possibility is the way she said it, like yeah. that. And, and pre, when you start pre-engagement counseling, you know, a lot of times we tell people the dating phase is a little bit more guard your heart, be careful what you share. But it's like when you do the pre-engagement phase, it's kind of like take the gloves off. And uh, nothing, nothing is sacred anymore. You can talk about anything. It's kind of like buying a house. You know, probably most of y'all haven't bought a house. When you buy a house... There are these people called house inspectors, and you pay them to go to the house, and they, like, crawl around through the basement and the cellar and make sure there's not termites and stuff like that because it's such a multi, you know, $100,000 purchase. And that's kind of – marriage is even bigger. And so, in a sense, that's what you want to do is I want to ask all the weird, awkward questions so that I know now, uh, and I don't get surprised later. That's good. Okay, here's another uh, you said, Owen, in your talk, to treat a girl as your sister until marriage. But what does it mean if you have little to no physical or sexual attraction to them when you start dating or when you get asked out? Yeah, that's, that's obviously not the ideal. That's not what you want. That's not the norm. And yet, it can start with little to no physical sexual attraction, and that can grow. That can come. Let's, guys... I like the way we do dating uh, in America today better than arranged marriages. And why am I making that point? Because do you realize for most of the world and most of history, arranged marriages have been the normal way. We have some next-door neighbors. They're from the subcontinent of India. And they're like people in there that have done arranged marriages. And so it's just like, hey, this is who you're marrying. Uh, have fun. Uh, so the attraction can grow. But I think the way that our culture does it, it's ideal if there's some of that in the beginning. And if you're like, well, there's, there's none, or there's not much, then really, well, the choice is to you. Do you like enough about the rest of them, their character, their sense of humor, their intellect, their family, whatever it may be, to say, I'll give it a try to see if those feelings grow? Or are you kind of like, I, I don't want to give it. You really have a choice, which is a blessing and a curse, right? I mean, that's the, uh, it's a blessing to have a choice. It's also a big burden to have to make that choice. That's good. All right, here's another one. What does it say about a girl when no guys approach her, 
Men never approach me unless they are in an unwell state. Am I destined to be single forever? <laughs> and the last part was actually the best part. It says, why don't the men come a-running? <laughs> That's awesome. Um, well, you know, whoever that is, um, I'm sorry um, for, you know, how that maybe has made you feel. But, um, you know, I, I wonder if there's maybe some intimidation. Um you know, I think it would be good to, if you have good women friends, just to ask them, you know, are there things about me that are, um, that are making me unapproachable? Um, and then I think it's good to kind of look within and say, are there maybe some things in my subconscious where I might be acting in a way as a defense mechanism? Um, that's my, that's my gut. That's a great point. Yeah, ask people, and some. I mean, I have known people. I've had friends, female friends, that never dated until late in college, and I know that was hard for them. But now they're married and happily married. And in hindsight, I think God was probably protecting them. So I, I'm not. I'm not trying to say, oh, don't worry about it. It's a protection. Uh, I, I agree that that can be so hard and sad, and yet. If you're in Christ, God has a good reason why that's happening to you, I promise. That's good. Okay. Next one. What is the best way to pursue someone when life is busy? For example, if you both like each other, but you're not able to do much about it for a certain period of time, just because your schedule just doesn't really allow a whole lot of time together, what would you suggest? Do normal life together. I mean, when we first started hanging out, we were at college. We would study together. We didn't actually study much. We just talked, right? But we were involved in ministry stuff together. We were going to prayer groups together. We'd go play racquetball together, um, go run or whatever. So, do normal stuff. You got to eat. I don't care how busy you are. You got to eat. You ought to get some exercise. You know. So try to just do normal. And listen, that's actually a better way to start dating somebody is doing than saying. We're going to go out to this nice restaurant with candlelight. Nine times out of ten, that's a recipe for disaster, right? You're either going to spend too much money and be like, dang it, or you're going to get all these romantic feelings and get in trouble later in the night. Better just go do normal life together. Uh, that, that's the best thing. And if you really are like too busy, then uh, you must not like the person very much. Because if you like them enough, you can get unbusy. Nobody's that busy. Good. All right, so... Here's another one. This one's for Lena. What were you looking for in a man when you found Olin, besides living a biblical life? So besides just being a godly man, what other attributes were you did you have in mind when you were looking for a man and found Olin? Yeah, I love that question. Um, you know, one thing that was really important to me was, you know, Olin shared just a little bit of my story, my family of origin. Um, one thing that was important to me was that he did come from uh, parents that were still together. That was just my personal desire. Um, and I wanted someone who did grow up with a good model for marriage because I did not have that. Um, so that was like, you know, kind of secondary to someone who was walking with the Lord and was using their time purposefully because I dated other Christian guys that were 
just not very purposeful. Um, and so it was also important to me that I felt like he, Olin, <laughs> or, you know, whoever I was going to marry, that their life was lived on purpose, you know, that they were living with intention. Um, but then the family thing was really big to me. And then I just, I wanted somebody that made me laugh. I mean, Olin still makes me laugh, <laughs> you know, um, that was important. Um, I like guys with dark hair, so I wanted somebody that had dark hair. Um, I wanted to marry somebody tall. You can't get everything you want. Um, <laughs> I resent that too, by the way. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I this is another funny thing, but I love sports. Um, so I didn't get that one either. We're like the opposite. I like care about college football and recruiting, and Olin's like, I don't care about that, you know. So just talk about that with my sons. Um, I'm trying to think of other things. Um, you know, I, I it was important to me to have somebody to do active things together. Um, I'm in the movement industry, and so that was important to me. Um, Yeah, it kind of covers it. Do you want to kind of hit the other side of that, like what you were looking for in a woman besides just being a godly woman? Yeah, I, I wanted a uh, godly woman, number one. You know, I think number two, a best friend. I wanted somebody that I could just hang out with and not get tired of being with. And, and to this day, I mean, it's like on the weekends when I have free time, I want to hang out with Lena. She's my best. She's just fun. We just have fun together. It's just enjoyable. It's easy. It's relational. It's natural. I wanted somebody that I that could talk about deep things. I mean, there's a lot of Christians that are just shallow, and I wanted somebody that could, could could go deep and talk about the heart. And she certainly had that. And I, you know, wanted somebody ideally that was blonde, and I got that. And you know, certainly wanted somebody I was physically attracted to. And God bless that in spades. So, hair color was big for y'all. What's that? Hair color was hair big color. For y'all. You know. But, uh, all right, so this is kind of a two-part one. I'm going to merge these two, but they just go together. So you're kind of liking somebody. How do you know when it's the right time to ask for a first date? And then the second part would be you go on your first date. How Walk us through the kind of the decision-making process of, A, should there be a second date? So just a little bit of that introductory phase there. Should I go ahead and ask? And then what do I need to look for in that first one to ask for? <laughs> yeah, I think it really comes down to two things. <laughs> Do I want to? Like, do I have a desire? Like, you know, I like you a lot. I want to spend time with this person. That, that needs to be there. If you're just like, I don't like this person, but I'm going to ask him on a date just because Mark told me to. You're an idiot. Don't do it. Okay? Uh, you, you have to actually have some interest. And then number two, though, there ought to be some sense of, uh, I, I think, and you don't have to be hyper-spiritual about it, but what I'm trying to say is, that it, that it lines up with, yeah, I think this girl's a Christian. Again, I'm telling this from the male perspective. I've seen her at church. I've seen her carrying her Bible. I, I think she loves the Lord. I think that I'm mature enough. I think God would be pleased with this. You, you need those two things to align. And, and the desire thing ought to be pretty clear, right? Um, if you're having trouble with the desire, you probably need to go see like a professional counselor. Right? You ought to know, I'd like to hang out with this person, yes or no. When it comes to... Is it a good spiritual idea? That can be a little murky. And the best thing there is to have, again, a mentor, spiritual friends, peers, that you can ask them their opinion. 
I, I had friends when I was in college and even after college who had blown it with their dating life. And they would come to me and maybe a couple of other guys in a Bible study again and say, hey, I'm not going out with another girl until you guys say it was okay. And we weren't enforcing that on him. He was just realizing when it comes to women, I make a lot of stupid decisions. And so next time I get interested in somebody, I'm going to ask you all first. And I, I think that was wisdom. So I'd say those two things. Yeah, I I mean, I think with the whole first date thing, one of the things I think that naturally happened in Olin and I's dating relationship was that a lot of it wasn't dating. Um, I mean, it was very casual hanging out and hanging out in groups, and it just happened very organically. And so it just sort of took, even though I think we both knew we were attracted to each other, it it just sort of took the the freight out of, are we dating? You know, it's kind of like we're, we're obviously interested in each other, but we're spending time in these contexts where there's not all this pressure to define the relationship. You know, I mean, I don't even know if y'all have this phrase, but at Sanford it was like DTR, you know, which Sanford's a small campus. So it's like you hang out with people. There was this phrase, you know, two-function assumption. It's like you go to two things and now you're like a thing, you know, so... I mean, I, I think we were able to avoid some of that because we hung out in more casual settings. And I just highly recommend that, you know, hang out in groups, you know, do things where it's not so date-like, you know. That, that just really allows you to get to know a person in a much more holistic way than just we're going out to a restaurant and one of us is carrying the conversation and it's just puts this whole context to the relationship that I don't think really encourages the friendship aspect of the relationship. And then to the second date thing, you know, it's like, you know, if you're wanting to have a second date, you're wanting to spend more time together, you know, do something more casual so that, it encourages the friendship aspect to blossom rather than pushing the romantic piece so much. I mean, really, listen, romance is not bad, but it's dangerous. And so almost have an idea. I want to keep romance out as long as I can because when it comes in, it's like a tsunami and it makes you not think straight. Again, and, and you're like, well, what if it stays out forever? Then it was probably supposed to stay out forever. And trust me, if you're meant to be together, it will eventually come in. Um, yeah, and, and, and even the, when you're casually just making friends with people, it ought to be normal to do that with more than one person, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, when we were just kind of hanging out, we might go get coffee and just talk for 30 minutes. And then the next day, I might go jog with another girl. And it's not like, oh, you're being a player, you're trying to hit on those girls. She's like, it ought to be normal in the body of Christ that single men and single women can have friendships without all this romantic pressure. I know the world doesn't cater to that, uh, but that's the way we ought to be countercultural. And you pro- almost certainly will have friends that will make fun of you. Oh, this is the second time y'all got coffee. And just, well, just be more mature and just say, I don't care what you think, you know. Okay, there was another question. It wasn't up next, but I'm going to go ahead and ask it because it kind of goes along with what you're saying. Like you, you're talking about going on multiple dates with different people. Um, it, one of the questions was something similar to like, how many dates is too many? Like, how, how do you know? Like, oh, I'm dating, you know, at what point, like what kind of, you know, how many multiple people at one time or how many dates or whatever. And then along with that, 
at what point do you start saying, oh, now it's time for me to stop actually going on these multiple dates and focus on this one person? Does that question make sense? I think so. I think the main thing I'd say to that is you need to make sure that your words and your actions are conveying the same things. So if you're hanging out with this girl and you're saying to her, hey, she, you're my best girl and y'all are like cuddling a lot and you're spending all this extra time and whispering sweet nothings to her in her ear and texting her 24-7, but then you do have these other girls that you're kind of hanging out with casually. It's like your actions are saying, no, 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 we're, we're, we're nothing special, but then your words are kind of saying we are special. That, that should never happen. Does that make sense? The other way around. Yeah, the other way around. Yeah. yeah. You, you, your words and your actions ought to align. And so uh, I just start slow, start casual, and the more you like that person and they like you back and there's the body of Christ around you affirming it, then you do at some point have to start getting more exclusive, more romantic. But again, it ought to be ideally a gradual slope and not a, hey, Mom, I met this guy last weekend. He's really cool and he's coming to visit next week, you know, from out of state. It's like, well, that was fast. So, it's good. All right. Let's go to just do a few more. This is, this is a good one. What does God think about how women should interact with coworkers? In a male-dominated work environment, please give advice on how to be friendly and kind without overstepping boundaries, especially with married men. That's a great question. I mean, I appreciate the sensitivity of that question. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, I think going back to the idea of treating someone in a brotherly, sisterly way. Although if there is a married man, you know, I'm not going to swat him on the butt, you know, Um, obviously. um, You know, but I think just um, think about if you're married, how would you want someone to treat your husband? You know, Um, I mean, I think that's a great, great paradigm to have. Um, You know, and then just your own conscience, you know? Um, I mean, and I think the idea of cultivating a sensitive conscience is such a, a beautiful thing, you know, to be mindful of your words, mindful of your actions, mindful of, you know, even just appropriate physical touch. Um, and if there's a question mark in your mind, the answer is probably don't do or say that thing. <laughs> That's good. Can I get out of that? Yeah, I agree. Okay. Here's another one. Back in the day, people got married 20 years apart, no problem. <laughs> Today, that's weird. I've heard as you get older, the age gap feels less big because you're more in the same season of life. I know it depends on the maturity of each person, but in general, what's a good rule of thumb for age differences in your 20s? Or, I, yeah, I, I don't. I don't think there is one. I think you've answered the question in the question. It's a, it's about your maturity, and but again, part of how you'll demonstrate that maturity is that you're not making that decision on your own. 
is that you both have other people in your life. And so let's just hypothetically say you had a 20-year-old girl and a 29-year-old guy. And we're in love and we want to get married and we think we're on equal footing uh, spiritually and it's going to be great. If they both had godly friends and godly families that were signing off on it, okay. If their families are like, heck no, we won't go. If you're mature, then you say, then we won't do it. So that, that would be my litmus test is, who are the godly people around you and what do they say? And how do you respond to what they say? It's good. Okay. A few more. Uh, this is a good one too. Okay. How do I balance being a submissive wife and bringing up concerns or disagreements with my husband? How far is too far? And how should husbands respond to wives who are disagreeing? Ooh. <laughs> Um, Okay, ask the question again. Okay, here we go again. How do I balance being a submissive wife and bringing up concerns or disagreements with my husband? How far is too far? And how should my husband respond when I disagree? Um, I mean, obviously, submission is not a popular word um, in our culture. Um, So I think... It starts with the heart. Um, you know, it starts with a heart attitude of that I'm submissive to the Lord. Um, he's my first authority. And then, you know, for those that are married, um, there there is an element of my submission, obviously, that has to do with trusting Olin. But in trusting Olin, I'm trusting the Lord. You know, he has me in this marriage and I'm demonstrating my trust in the Lord by being submissive to Olin. How that plays out practically, um, you know, when there are big life decisions, I allow him to carry the heavier burden in that. It's not that I don't get to voice my opinion. And I think, you know, Tim Keller talked about submission in a marriage that really the man is just the tiebreaker. Now, you know, there are some people that that's a little bit too progressive or liberal thinking for them. But I think he was on to the right idea in the sense that in in the healthiest marriages, that dynamic is is probably not something that's extremely pronounced because it's such a partnership. You know, I mean, I Olin has created a culture in our marriage where he asks for my opinion. He welcomes my opinion. He, you know really prizes my thoughts and feedback. Um, you know, so I think that has made it where it's, it's, I'm not like wondering, should I speak up? Mm. You know, um, I mean, although there are times where there's that check in my spirit, you know, I, I need to be quiet, you know, um, I need to just make the Lord's ear needs to be the one that I go to the most. Um, yeah. That's good. You got anything as far as like yeah. a wife disagree? Yeah, I would say, and again, some of this will be based on your personality and different styles, of, but but I think what's best, and it's what we've tried to do, is I tell Lena, I want to hear all your thoughts. Don't hold back. I want you to be brutally honest. Um, 
But I also, when, when it does come to the tie-breaking moment, which actually doesn't even happen that often, it's pretty rare, I, I need you to trust me and get behind it and not... Once, once I say, okay, decision's over, and, and she's done that amazingly well, even when I've made decisions that she totally disagreed with. And so, again, we can probably count on one hand the times that it's actually come to that. Uh, but I think if your marriage is healthy, it can handle that. And the best example is the Lord Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. I, is there any other way? I don't like this plan. <laughs> Yet not my will but thine. That, that's, that's mature submission. I'm against this. Is there another way? We got any other options? Yet I'll do whatever you want. And, and gracious leadership says, I want to hear it all. Uh, I, I'm, I'm secure enough in Christ to hear it all. And I'm still man enough to say, I'll make the hard decision. So, yeah, I think that's not the only way, but it's the best way. I think, I think to the, the, the part B of the question, how far is too far? Um, you know, I mean, there have been times where I've been too vocal, you know, or maybe it's a situation, this has probably happened the most often in parenting, where, you know, I've said something or demonstrated an attitude where it, Olin has felt like I've sort of undermined him. Um, and then, you know, it's like you, I have to be open to hearing that from him when he's felt that way and then be willing to apologize. Um, you know, and then I think also for women, you know, the how far is too far is, you know, if I'm trying to manipulate a situation or circumvent a way that he's asked me to do something, even if it's not to his face, me being blatantly, like, verbally disrespectful or that's too far because that's, that's underhanded. <laughs> you know? It's not really submitted. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Makes sense. It's a great question, too. Whoever asked that one. That's good. All right, I'm going to do just literally a couple more. Do you got something else to add? I'll just say one more. Do it. Uh, oh, one more question. Yeah. So let's do, let's do two more. i got two more picked out. Good. All right. How do you enjoy your season of singleness? And do you have any examples of this, like people in ministry, people in the marketplace, something like that? But just kind of like if you are single and there's nobody on the radar, how do you be content with that? I love that question. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, chase chase your dreams. Travel. You know, if there's a hobby you're interested in, pursue that. Um, I mean, because the reality is, as great as marriage is, there are natural limitations when you get married, you know, we got married young. I mean, 21, 23, um, you know, and so once you get married and then we got pregnant early, (laughs) you know, so we weren't married, you know, we had our first child before we had been married two years, you know, so, um, you know, one way to take advantage of your singleness is go do fun things, you know, um, I mean, if you have, you know, bucket list things you want to do, do those things. Um, you know, and then I would say, you know, still be cultivating, especially if, if there are issues in your family of origin. You need to find spiritual mothers and fathers. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I, there's a healthy way to throw yourself in your, to your career when you're single, especially if you like your career. 
that you may not be able to throw yourself into. Um, and then secondly, just go go deep with your same sex friends, right? If if you're a guy, get all the bro time you want, right? All the poker and football and whatever you want to do uh, that one day may not be as easy to do. And if, if you're a girl, all the spa days, whatever whatever y'all do, you know, it's just like just get as much of that as you can because there may come a day where it's like it's just not as easy and to, to do that. So and, and also just cultivating those healthy relationships would be helpful. That's good. I think I'm going to let that be the last one. Okay. Guys, thank y'all. Um, give them a hand. I want to lend a hand. Yeah. <laughs>